You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Only a heart that has been blessed by faith can hear these words and believe them and be glad. Think for a moment about the evidence that was against these words when Jeremiah spoke them. Foreign invaders were about to sack Jerusalem and destroy the temple. The land was divided, the people were idolatrous, and the branches of David's line at that time were anything but righteous. Their days of reigning in Jerusalem were numbered. Yet in the midst of this disaster, the Lord spoke these seemingly impossible words. And so it is in our day. The Lord speaks. But reason and good sense tells us to ignore him and then to get on with the world's program. When people do works of darkness, we're enticed to follow their example. Our hearts become dim and we wander from the faith. And why shouldn't we? The church is in ruins, schisms abound, and people are leaving to practice their self-fashioned spiritualities. Enemies surround us, abroad Christians are being put to death, and here in this country, besides being mocked and ridiculed, the people of this culture threaten our confidence in the plain words of Scripture. Your your extremism over uh, marriage and homosexuality, by the way, is making our country, country very uncomfortable. But in the face of this evidence of what looks like divine abandonment, Jeremiah's prophecy of the Lord and King coming still stands. It stands because it has been fulfilled, and it is now fulfilled in your hearing. Behold, dear saints... Your king is coming to you. Yes, the king is coming indeed. He is at the gate. He comes to execute justice and righteousness in the land. And that's well and good as long as you have been just and righteous. But how have your works been of late? Have they been righteous or have you made provision for the flesh to satisfy its desires? Well, I'm afraid that rather than desiring to walk in the daytime, as the Apostle Paul implores us, we know that our desire is to walk in the night of sin. The ways of this world are are seductive, and many times without realizing it, we fall into the sins and traps of sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, and jealousy. Our sensibilities of right and wrong, believe it or not, are, are shaped by our constant contact with this world. And once our hearts and our minds have become muddied with the the world's self-centered wisdom, they start to justify those times when you look at a woman who is not your wife. When you tell your best friend that, you know, maybe it's best if you leave your husband if that's what it takes to make you happy. Or when you get mad at the guy who's in front of you in the checkout line just for the fact that he's in front of you and being helped, Well, you're not. 
We're more creatures of this world than we would like to admit, especially when we take stock of our secret sins that cause us the most shame. Those things that uh, we're afraid of anybody knowing lest they would never call us Christian again. When we hear that our king is coming to execute justice and righteousness, we really ought to shudder with fear. We know that we deserve the same destruction that befell Jerusalem in Jeremiah's day. But the king is here. As improbable as it may have seemed, the Lord has kept his word, and our king arrives now. The time for preparing yourself by abstaining from sin and working out your own righteousness has come to an end. But now see how your king arrives. Is he mounted on a war horse, prepared to avenge his cause upon those who have neither kept his commandments or feared his wrath? Has he come with his legions of angels to imprison and punish you? No. Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus, your king, has not come to destroy you. He has come in meekness, humility, gentleness, and compassion. And the fact that he is riding into the holy city on a humble beast of burden is proof of this. This image of your divine king riding through the mighty gates of Zion in humbleness is pure gospel. Our Lord has no illusions about your captivity to the flesh. He knows that your conscience is warped, and he knows that your heart desires the darkness of this world. And yet, Jesus continues his slow ride from Bethpage to the holy city. His face is set, and nothing is going to stop him, not even your secret sins. The Lord promised the inhabitants of Zion, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Jesus has come to conquer and to destroy, but not you. He has come to conquer sin, to shatter its cold chains that hold you in the waterless pit of death. The Lord has also promised, in the king's days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Yes, the king comes to execute justice and righteousness in the land. And these are his mighty weapons that he wields to crush sin and to destroy death. But he doesn't do it in the way that we would ever expect. His humble yet kingly procession into the city soon turns into a condemned man's march. Outside of the city. To a hill of execution. It's there that he suffers God's justice unto death. But not before he wrestles away your tattered garments of your unrighteousness and then puts them on himself. In return, he gives you his pure, undefiled, and kingly robes. This, dear friends, is why he comes to you in humility. It's so that through his death he can be your righteousness having put to death your guilt of pride, covetousness, lust, and hatred. And in exchange, he gives you his righteousness, lowliness, humbleness, compassion, and purity. 
Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is gone and the day is at hand. So how do we meet our King who is our righteousness? How do we receive him into this darkened world and into the darkest depths of our own heart? Well, with the crowds who thronged around Jesus as he passed through Jerusalem's gates, we cried to him, Hosanna, save us now. We spread our cloaks and our palms before him as a confession of faith. We join in the festal shout, Hosanna to the Son of David. By saying these words, you are confessing against the scoffing of this world that David's son has finally come. You confess that he will reign upon David's throne forever. And so we shout the words of Psalm 118 together. Save us, we pray, O Lord. And then we shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By saying this, you are acknowledging that Jesus is the only one who reveals and bestows the divine name, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It belongs to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to it. This is the name that was manifest at Jesus' baptism when the Father identified this man as his Son. Through his own name, Jesus taught sinners to call upon the Father in heaven. His preached doctrine bestows the Spirit, which works faith to trust in the Father's love and mercy. And unlike any of the teachers that anybody in Israel had ever knew, Jesus spoke with a divine authority. The authority of one who spoke of God as if he was begotten of God. Jesus bestows his divine name upon you for your salvation. And he gives you this gift in your baptism. Through the price of his blood, you have been brought into Jesus' family as his brother. And you have become God's own child. No longer are you Bob, Susan, Dave, Jesse. You are now called Christian. Think about that for a second. When Jesus was passing through the mighty gates of Zion, he did it to give you a new name. A name that would be written in the book of life forever. And along with that new name, holy and pure garments of righteousness to go along with it. Jesus indeed comes as a conquering king. And as Luther puts it in his famous Easter hymn, he has snatched the crown away from death's pale brow. You see, Jesus has come to lead you and the host of all the saints who have been freed from captivity to sin through the baptismal portal of death into the light of resurrected life. Therefore, as one who has passed through this portal, from death to life, you can now pray the same words that Jesus prayed in Psalm 118. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Behold, dear saints. Lift up your eyes and rejoice. Your king comes to you in humility. Call upon his name with confidence and joy because he saves you. 
He has redeemed your mind from the base desires of this world. He frees your conscience from the sting of guilt, and he clothes you with the armor of light, which is his own righteousness. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.